Welcome to A Scotland's Conversations podcast. There's been a huge rise in the number of attempted and successful scams since the UK went into lockdown back in March. More than a third of people have been contacted by scammers in the last three months alone, rising to 45% among those with a disability or long-term health conditions, and half of those who have been shielding have been targeted. Anyone of any age can fall victim to a scam, but we know that older people are disproportionately targeted by heartless and sinister fraudsters. So in this edition, we speak to an older couple who were targeted with an elaborate banking scam over the phone, but they eventually saw through and ended the call before the fraudsters could access their money. We also talked to Paul Davis from the Bank of Scotland about the kind of scams they're encountering, what the banks are doing to help and how best to avoid a scam in the first place. And we speak with Nicola Anderson of Fintech Scotland about the technology innovations out there to help stop a scam. I really hope you find this helpful and enjoy listening. First up though, find out a little bit more about Aid Scotland's new friendship line. Words matter. They give us comfort and help us stay connected. With Age Scotland, you are not alone. Our friendship line is open Monday to Friday, 9am until 5pm. Call us free on 0800 12 44 treble 2. That's 0800 12 44 treble 2. Visit agescotland.org.uk. Age Scotland, the national charity for older people. Scammers are getting more and more sophisticated and a fairly new kind of approach is for them to mask the phone number of your bank and to try and look like they're the real deal. Peter and Marion Morrison received a call in June from a woman claiming to be from their bank, alerting them to fraudulent transactions. Initially, they're taken in by the scammer spoofing the number displayed on their caller ID, which matched the number on the back of their bank card. So we hear from them about their experience and how they're able to spot a rat before it went too far. Hello, I'm Peter Morrison and beside me is my wife, Marion. Um, I'm an octogenarian, or octogenarium as it's sometimes called, and my wife is uh, um, almost at that stage, but a good bit behind, but uh, we still enjoy life uh, very much. We live in Bearsden near Glasgow, and we've worked in Glasgow all our lives, although our roots are in the Highlands, and uh, it's nice to say hello to you today. Well, thank you very much uh, for joining us on this Age Scotland podcast about scams and scam prevention. I wonder, um, could you both just tell us just what happened happened to you? And it was fairly recently, wasn't it? Yes, I think it was on the 5th of June I had a phone call from the Bank of Scotland, allegedly. And I said to the, the caller, the bank never phones us. Well, she said, this is an absolutely genuine call. Look at the phone number on the back of your bank card. Mm-hmm. And I did. Then I looked at the phone number on the screen of the phone, and it was exactly the same number. Mm. I didn't realize that she had managed some or other to clone the number. So we entered into a very friendly chat and gave certain information Her technique was extremely informal. Mm -hmm. She gave me, first of all, the useless information. I'm Caroline, spelt with a K. And uh, it was so informal and designed to set you at your ease. And on it went. It was only quite a bit later that we remember that about 10 days before we had received a phone call from an equally charming young man from the bank who said, 
I'm from the bank, and I said, the bank does not call us. But he said, I am not asking for any information. We only want to give people in your age group information about the new new opening hours. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think the bank would conceivably have phoned us, but that only struck me after this uh, incident. And it, I think this was a softener for the real thing that happened on the 5th of June. So Caroline went ahead to say that uh, two attempts had been made to withdraw money uh, from our account. It's in the well name of a uh, very well-known uh, uh, firms. Mm -hmm. But Caroline said, we're very busy in the department, but you are a priority. So it made me feel really valued, of course. Mm -hmm. And um, I was asked to confirm my address and uh, date of birth. And we said, we really need to offer, open a full investigation about this. Now, she had this two attempts to, to withdraw money from her account. Then she said, there was an attempt to uh, hack into your account from a Samsung tablet in the IV3 postcode area, a number that had been previously backlisted. Mm. Now, doesn't didn't strike me well, that's absolutely extraordinary information. Then the the third uh, uh, piece of information it was that there had been a very severe intrusion into our account, an ATS virus, which uh, who knows what that is. Well, yeah. So she said there had been three uh, th separate things happening to my account now. It didn't strike me at that stage that, well, you're laying it on a bit too thickly. Mm. It, but then she said, I must put you on to our Simon McCabe, our manager at the fraud prevention team. I'm sure the fraud prevention team didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And he assured me there'd been a spike in the fraud and there are all signs of a virus. And he um, asked me if I used a mobile app and, app, and I said no. And we need to generate new accounts. Oh, wow. And we'll move all your outgoings uh, to a new account. So then he handed me back to Caroline, spelt with a K, of course. And she said, I'm going to issue you with a new sort code and um, a account number, which she did. Mm -hmm. I still didn't question. Several times she asked us to hold on. So this time it was getting a little bit longer, so she asked us to go and hold. So I put the phone down and phoned the Bank of Scotland, mm -hmm. and uh, I, uh, the disembodied voice said, what service do you want? And I said, attempted fraud, and I was put through right away. And, uh, of course, they said, that uh, sort code doesn't exist. It's not a Bank of Scotland sort code. Wow. And anyhow, if they were going to reopen our account, it, they wouldn't change it to a different branch and a different sort code. Of course. So uh, we mercifully, the, the thing, we realized that this was a, a total uh, scam mm -hmm. and mercifully, perhaps because of their incompetence, they didn't manage to withdraw any uh, money. So I found the bank was extremely helpful, but the only really disappointing thing is this, that Unless a fraud has actually been achieved, mm -hmm. they are not interested in further details. And perhaps they're absolutely overwhelmed. But I would have thought that 
they should be collecting data on attempted frauds to see if there are patterns of activity. Now, that's the comment of, a, of an absolute amateur. So um, I'd, like, I'd like the banks to be able to say something about that. Well, that's an interesting so, point that you have on the bank's investigation, because presumably you have the sort code that they've asked you to put the money into and the account number. Um, yes. So there's the very they weren't there's, interested in it. They weren't interested mm-hmm. in that at all. I mean, that's, it, it, can I just ask a question on on that? Were they asking you to then log into your online digital banking to then force no, force they the didn't transfer? Do that. Right. No, they didn't do that. Okay. I think they were bringing in the smell of rat. But I mean, it, it was it, at the same time it's so sophisticated. In a disarming sense, Caroline with the K and really mm. caring for us, you're a priority. But if it were the bank, they would not have thought up three different fraudulent approaches as uh, as Caroline had done. So she overdid it, poor Caroline. <laughs> There's quite a lot of detail in there as well, wasn't there, with regard to different postcodes at these uh, and oh, tablets yes. and you know. So is that? Uh-huh. Do you think that was that was a warning sign for you that those? Unusual for your bank to give you so much information. It was it was just too much information, and then uh, I'll put you on hold for a moment. And really, that's when our suspicions began to be aroused. And Mm -hmm. mercifully, we 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 caught it in time. I was on the old-fashioned phone with a line attached to it, so my wife couldn't share with the audio. But obviously, she was becoming increasingly concerned. It was what was going on. Was it lasted at least an hour and a half? This an hour and a half. Incredible. So, well, well, there we go. Then, so how did how do you feel then as your husband's on the phone for an hour and a half, talking away about your bank details and and you know I can imagine the frustration. But about how are you feeling about this? Yes, well, frustration was one of the things I felt uh, the inability to actually hear pro- hear what he was. I could hear what he was saying, but I couldn't hear sure. terribly well. What they were saying, it was just, it was just a, not a nice experience, a nasty experience, really. Quite intrusive. Almost feeling that they had come into our home, they had, they had no right to be there because yeah. they hadn't been invited, and it, it just, it was a strange feeling. I, I, I mean, I, I think every bank is a little bit different, but it's not necessarily something your bank would normally have done um, and the whole whole time you presumably had your sort of been been on on a bit of a guard I was just wondering in terms of you know you're feeling quite intrusive um, and I suppose it's quite lucky then you had the caller ID and they're able to to use this tool because this is quite it's it's not a it's quite a new tactic often you get these phone calls from unknown or private numbers but now the the phone number is exactly the same in the back of your bank card which does make you wonder yeah. in terms of, they must have known somehow, had some information about who you bank with. It's quite incredible. Well, how, how, did they, how did they hack into that? And that, that's and I felt that I was taken in, and most people, I would imagine, would be taken in by that approach. Mm-hmm. It's really horrible. Well, it is. I, I think we've um, been seeing more and more of this over the last few months, particularly um, with regard to sort of the coronavirus lockdown period, because whether more people have been at home and have been more contactable by, say, the landlines or whatever else, there has been a, quite an incredible spike in attempts. But you've obviously managed to, to ca- catch it in the past. What would your message be for other people who might be receiving these types of phone calls? Well, I, I have I have several messages. I'm a very uh, mischievous type of person, perhaps, <laughs> but uh, most people would just say, put the phone down. 
Mm-hmm. Now, um, I, I I would prefer if I if I'm thinking, I would prefer to string the person along, which is wrong because they might be transferring money at the same time. I would string them along, but I, I love to do something really mischievous and say, "Look, you've got the wrong person. Mm-hmm. I'm Donald Duck," and quack quack can put the phone down. <laughs> do something like that. Get some fun out of it. Get some fun out of it. Yeah. Well, my first outcome is that other people aren't deceived. But then my second outcome was that if by any miracle, Caroline, spelt with a K, Hubbard, is watching this program, Caroline, money will never make you happy, but especially by trying to get it this way. So you talked about the kind of outcomes there, and you also talked about the kind of the things that you've done. I think one of the things which I found quite impressive by this whole experience of yours if, if the best way to put it is is the level of detail that you've been able to k- kind of get uh, down and write down in terms of what happened i wrote it down. Uh, yeah yeah uh, would you so that i mean i was thinking there a, a good thing for other people to do as well is to to take as many notes as they can because you never know um who who might be interested in that obviously at age scotland yeah, we're yeah. hugely interested in that because we want to make sure that more people know about these types of things but also what they can do but then you obviously had some frustration with your own bank in terms of not um, sort of taking taking that up. But I, again, do, yeah. how valuable do you think it is for yourself just to have taken some notes just so you can refresh your own memory? Well, I think, well I, if I hadn't taken this, these notes, a lot of this would have slipped from my memory. I think this is our fourth, this is by far the most sophisticated, this is the fourth is scam that we've had. And three years ago, we had an incredible one that... Um, we discovered that £9,999 had been taken out of our account. Now, we didn't have that incredible sum in it, but mm-hmm. we had just bought a car, and in those uh, several years ago, we just went to the bank and said, we're about to buy a car, but you please increase our overdraft limit uh, while we buy a car. So the overdraft limit was sky high. Mm-hmm. And £9,999 were transferred to a MasterCard account, the Royal Bank of Scotland, South End on Sea. Mm-hmm. And we've discovered this very quickly. The money was immediately refunded. But uh, at that time, three or four years ago, uh, the, without double checking, money, one pound short of 10,000 could be transferred out of the account without double checking. Mm-hmm. The other one we had was when we used to have a Visa card. Uh, someone withdrew £127 from a children's wear shop in San Francisco. Oh, wow. Which was interesting, not never having been there. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you have not, not left your card anywhere in San Francisco? No, my card anywhere. So, uh, and, and there was one other one, and, and it's, uh, we find it really, really quite disturbing. But uh, I, I don't want anyone else to be caught out. That's my message. I, I suppose part of this is, you know, one of the important things is actually being able to check your statements as well to see to look for um keep checking to keep daily in case anything and and then to get in touch with your bank immediately i think one of the things which is probably better over the last year or so i think is in terms of the banks uh how they're looking at fraud prevention but um i'd be able to get in touch and how they resolve it when there's been a a successful attempt on a, a fraud a scam or whatever and I think anybody is is susceptible. There's no one particularly that you know. It's not an embarrassment if you do 
fall victim to it in a sense because she said some of these things are very sophisticated that you have encountered and, and it's embarrassing to be caught out yeah i think that's that's the thing it's obviously really important that people are able to then speak up because who knows if your neighbor or your friend or your family is is the next person uh, to be to, yeah. be to be caught to out to, yeah. what's your message to to people who might be this might be happening to them or could happen to them well what we say first of all don't give any information don't be distressed because it's happening to many, many people. And as long as you give no information, you're okay. Well, that sounds I think good. that's a really simple bit. I think that's about as simple as it gets, actually. Now, we want this particularly for old folk and something that really catches their memory, not just warnings. Mm -hmm. And I think the name Caroline Hubbard is an absolute gift. Mm-hmm. Because you know the Russian nursery rhyme. Old Mother Hubbard went to the cupboard mm -hmm. to give the poor doggy a bone. When she got there, the cupboard was bare, and so the poor doggy got none. Caroline Hub Hubbard's cupboard was bare. Look, thanks to Peter and Marion for telling their story and offering their advice to others. It's so important that people speak up if they've been a victim of a scam. Of course, it'll be embarrassing, but you're not alone. There'll be thousands of other people in this position too, and there's no shame in being caught out. It could really help others avoid getting into that same position. So if you've been a victim of fraud or financial crime, report it immediately to Police Scotland by calling 101 and let your bank know. For advice about avoiding scams and to get a free copy of our guide, call the Age Scotland helpline on 0800 12 44 222. You can check this out on our website as well at www.age.scot slash avoiding scams. So what are banks doing to help you beat scammers? And what should you be looking out for? We caught up with Paul Davis, the Retail Fraud Director at Bank of Scotland and Lloyds Banking Group, to give us his advice and insight. So I'm Paul Davis. I'm the Fraud and Financial Crime Prevention Director at Lloyds Banking Group, which includes the Bank of Scotland. Brilliant. Well, Paul, thanks very much for, for joining us on this podcast. And we're really hoping we can get some insight uh, for those listeners about kind of scams, what you've been encountering and what they should be doing. So just from your banking point of view, what are the kind of scams and frauds that you are kind of encountering kind of these days? Well, Adam, thanks very much for having me uh, today. Really pleased to be able to talk about this uh, important and really serious topic. And I'm sorry to say that there's quite a lot of different types of scams out there and um, fraudsters are always looking for new and creative ways to get us to part with our hard-earned cash. And so there's definitely lots of things that consumers and your listeners need to be on the lookout for uh, to make sure they're not uh, going to become the next victim. Mm. And um, these scams can fall into many different types. They quite often start with a phone call or an email out of the blue, mm -hmm. and then the conversation can then develop into a number of different things. We know some of our customers are contacted by people pretending to be from the Bank of Scotland uh, and get them to move money to uh, different accounts. Uh, we know that fraudsters contact customers with fake investment opportunities mm -hmm. and put lots of pressure on our customers to, um, to invest uh, very quickly to take advantage of something that will have run out in, in a short period of time. And then on top of all of that, there's lots of uh, scams out there relating to the purchase of goods, lots of things for sale on social media platforms uh, and so on um, that just doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And actually, that's one type of scam we've seen increase during uh, the COVID-19 
um, crisis uh, with, for example, fake adverts for protective equipment uh, or uh, treatments for, or supposed treatments, I should say, uh, for COVID-19. So lots of things to look out for. And uh, that's why I'm pleased to be here today to uh, try and get some important messages out about how not to fall victim. Well, that's really interesting. We've sort of found out, obviously, and, and there's been lots of news about this, but the increase in sort of scam attempts um, over the last few months as a result of coronavirus, COVID-19, but also partly because more and more people are at home, so they might be easier to kind of target because they're less kind of elusive out and about doing their own thing. So there's a bigger market of people to kind of go after. Have you sort of noticed that within the sort of the Bank of Scotland and Lloyds Banking Group that the kind of the reports from their customers has increased over the last few months on that basis? I think that's right. We've seen lots of changes in um, the activities of fraudsters. As I said a moment ago, we've seen the number of purchase scams increase, mm -hmm. frauds involving uh, the supposed um, sale of goods that in turn out not to exist. Yeah. I think we've also seen a, a piece where uh, fraudsters have changed their methods and quite often now reference COVID-19 as part of the scam. And we've seen that, for instance, um, contact from uh, callers claiming to be from the government or from the tax office um, with a story related to COVID-19. And, and I think for them, that's a, a good thing to do because it, uh, it instills a sense of panic in the victim because obviously there's lots to be fearful of and lots of things to be on the lookout for in the, in the wider world now as well. So they know how to play in our fears. And I think using COVID-19 as a cover story, um, unfortunately, enables them to find uh, more and more victims. And I think what's happening overall long term is other aspects of banking and money management are becoming much, much more safe. It's much safe. It's incredibly safe to pay by card. Mm -hmm. Online banking as a channel is now incredibly secure, whoever you choose to bank with. Uh, but unfortunately, fraudsters have to make a living somehow. And so we're seeing them change their methods all the time um, to target things um, which are new uh, to make sure they can continue to uh, find new victims to fund their lifestyles. That's interesting about the kind of security online. One of the things that we encounter quite a lot at Age Scotland is the sort of number of older people who don't bank online. And, you know, there's half a million over 60s in Scotland who don't use the internet. Um, what were the kind of the challenges uh, for those people who are not online in terms of being able to access their bank to kind of get ad advice and support? And what should customers kind of expect from their bank? Mm, sure. Well, I think the first thing I'd say there is I would encourage anybody to bank online, feel safe and confident when they do so. And the actual um, system that we use, at least at, at Bank of Scotland, is incredibly secure. And we see very, very few instances where uh, forces actually manage to penetrate into online banking to steal money directly. Um, and in fact, the, the main area of risk around using online banking relates to giving up your password to somebody else and, and them then being able to, to access it. Being able to hack in without that password is, is uh, incredibly difficult. Um, in terms of how banks can support customers, well, I can only speak for Bank of Scotland, but for example, one thing we have is a, a fraud team which works 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every day of the year. Um, and we're there to support customers with um, safe banking and to, and to make sure they uh, get the assistance they need and to feel confident when using uh, any of our channels. And if customers ever feel they have been a victim of a fraud or they've received a suspicious phone call, if they've got any questions like that, then that team's available, um, like I say, every hour of every day uh, to give customers that support. And the way to contact that team is using the number on the back of their bank, bank card. 
So in, in terms of the type of scams that, that folks are kind of encountering, um, what, what are the kind of things that they should be looking out for that the bank would just under any circumstances not ask them, um, which they might kind of be the giveaway that there's a, there's a scammer at the end of the line or, or, or email or, or whatever? Sure. So, so banks nor any other genuine organisation will call you up out of the blue and ask you to move money. Mm-hmm. That, that just won't happen. Um, quite a few scams are out there where uh, fraudsters pretend that your account is, has been compromised somehow and is at risk and you have to move the money yourself to a new account. And that's just not something that banks do. Um, for a starter, you, your bank will take responsibility all day, every day, to keep your account secure. Mm-hmm. Um, if we identify any risk to that account, then it will be blocked immediately and um, we'll contact you to um, arrange for it to be unblocked. But a bank would never ask you to move the money to a brand new account. That just wouldn't be necessary. Presumably that's and when you think a about, bank can do themselves. <laughs> that's kind of the given. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We, can, we can do that ourselves. That's right. And that sort of extends to other cold callers, such as um, the tax office uh, or the police. Neither of those organisations would ring you out of the blue and ask you to make an immediate payment. For example, the tax office themselves published some really good guidance on their website about the genuine means of contact uh, that they will use. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in terms of the the advice I'd give to any consumer, whilst it can be quite complicated to remember all these things, I think the single best thing you can do is if you do get a call out of the blue or an unusual text, just stop and think for five minutes. Hang up the phone ignore the email and, I don't know, make a cup of tea or talk to a friend, even better. And no genuine organisation will mind you doing that. Mm-hmm. And actually taking that time out, uh, we find, is one of the best things that uh, people who are targeted can do to not fall victim because it just helps to cool the situation down, takes you out of a stressful situation and enables you to think clearly about whether a genuine organisation would have asked you to do that. So that's kind of my single top tip for, for anybody to prevent themselves falling victim is to just stop and think for five minutes before you move any money or take any phone calls that you've just received out with the blue. Well, that's really helpful. And just try to think about the kind of calls and information they might get. If someone was to report uh, an attempted fraud to, to you and the bank, what kind of information would you find helpful in being able to either spot trends or to be able to kind of stop this happening uh, to other people? Yes. Yeah, so, so it's a uh, good question and we're keen to get... Um, know as much information as we can around these fraud threats so we can protect other customers. Uh, clearly, sometimes um, it depends how far the person has, uh, our customer has gone into the scam. If someone's taken a strange phone call and hung up immediately, then that's probably the best thing they could do, frankly. And I'd encourage anybody just to do that. But then very little information will be of use to us to stop that in the, in the future. But I'd still recommend that as the best course of action is just to hang up the phone. If you have had a more deeper conversation with a with a fraudster and you know, for example, the sort code and account number of an account that you were being asked to send money to, that can be really useful because if that's one of our accounts, we can then go and investigate it immediately. Or if not, we can contact the other bank um, and ask them to, to look into that. So it's that kind of information that might be useful. But, uh, but as I said, the best thing you can do is hang up the phone not really get into a conversation with the caller um, and then uh, just leave the scam um, at that. So I mentioned earlier that we've seen purchase scams increase during COVID-19 and it's quite a big trend previously. Uh, and the one um, thing I'd encourage anyone to do there to not fall a victim, not fall victim, is to pay by card whenever you can. Um, 
And actually, when you pay by card online, then quite a few things happen, by which I mean, in the first instance, you're probably dealing with a reputable merchant because they've gone to the bother of setting up the ability to accept card payments. Mm -hmm. So you can be confident you're dealing with a good retailer. And if something does go wrong, then uh, you have a huge amount of protection having used a card. And that's a debit card, credit card, or even PayPal, Apple Pay, Google Pay, any of these wallets or online services. They all offer a degree of protection wrapped into the use of the card. And actually, if you get to a position where you're trying to buy something and the seller insists on a bank transfer, you should think of that as being a bit like cash being handed over right. in as much as you don't really get any protection at all um, if it turns out that you've fallen victim to a scam and the goods don't turn up. Um, so if you're shopping online, pay by card um, and treat a request to do a bank transfer as an indicator that you could be about to become the next victim. Well, thank you, Paul, for taking the time to speak to us. I thought there was a lot of really good advice in there and I really hope that you enjoyed listening to it. So what's a fintech? And how are they helping to protect you from financial scams? We spoke with Nicola Anderson, the Strategic Development Director at Fintech Scotland, about this and the Take 5 campaign, which is asking everyone to help protect themselves from financial fraud by remembering some simple advice. Hi, I'm Nicola Anderson. I'm the Strategic Development Director at Fintech Scotland. Um, and Fintech Scotland is a really fantastic organisation um, generated in Scotland to help people understand more about fintech, the capability and um, the changes that it will bring to financial services generally. So and as we progress and learn about it, we're seeing that it will change um, many other sectors too. So tell us a little bit more, for those that don't know, what is a fintech? So that's a great question actually, um, and a fintech could be many things, but fundamentally it is the use of technology in the world of financial services. Um, but at its heart, Adam, I think what I would say is it's an ability to use technology to solve problems and to either provide somebody with greater insight or to provide a greater access to something in a digital world. Um, or fu It's fundamentally a solution. It's an enabler. And it's quite a large community of fintechs in Scotland, though, is there not? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are about 150 fintechs at the minute. Um, we're working across a whole range of financial services products from banking and lending, as you would expect, to investments and pensions. But we also have fintechs that are working behind the scenes with many of the large institutions um, who are helping them with their operations. Again, problem solving and finding efficient ways to do things. So fascinating. So part of this podcast, we're um, talking about scams and scam prevention and, and awareness of them. Um, is there anything interesting that you've seen that the fintechs you work with are doing to try and help consumers and their customers avoid being scammed? Yeah, so fintechs are fantastic at problem solving, as, as I mentioned. Um, and we have lots of fantastic fintech businesses in Scotland who are purpose-driven. So they will come around these types of problems and issues and look to find solutions. The payment sector in particular is really strong in Scotland. And we have fantastic fintech businesses who are thinking about the security that's needed as you transfer money. So they will be doing things like know your biller, mm -hmm. um, two-factor authentication, if I can mm -hmm. say the word properly, etc. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So really thinking about the problem, making it user friendly and recognizing that um, as you move money or somebody has to make a payment in a digital way, it has to be done securely. Um, and we have lots of fintechs in Scotland working in that space. There has been a bit of a development recently. I've noticed when I've been paying people um, through my bank account, whether it's transferring money, there are, seem to be another couple of layers that have been put in place now to avoid just the send it to any old sort code and uh, and, and um, account number, even just you know, whether you're paying a credit card bill or a new supplier, that a lot of them are actually setting up, they've already got predetermined lists of the right the right people. Yeah. Does that come as sort of as a result of people just sending money all over the place to people they don't really, they don't really know? I think that's a great example of how fintech and technology is really helping to advance these issues. So the banks in the UK have, have got behind this initiative and really started to think about how can they add in that extra step to help somebody be confident about who they're paying. And I don't know if you, I've certainly noticed a couple of times when I've mistyped that it types up to say, hang on, um, this isn't a match. And it's a really great way to stop and think, is that the right, am I paying the right person? Do I need to go back and check something? And it just really strengthens, I think, the Take 5 um, initiative that's out there at the moment because that encourages us to stop, to challenge and to protect ourselves. So um, those types of initiatives are great. So the Take 5 initiative is literally encouraging people to take five minutes and to stop, to uh, to be confident about something, to challenge if you're not confident about something and to think about how you would protect yourself. So protecting your PIN numbers, your passwords, um, all of that kind of important information that you would um, want to make sure didn't fall into the hands of somebody else. So in taking five minutes to think, it is about stop, challenge, protect. I was wondering about the... So types of scams that we've been coming across recently have been, you know, there's been more of them while we've been in sort of lockdown. We've heard and read many reports of 300% at a times increase in sort of attempts on people because they're, they're home. But particularly for those people who are older who might not be as confident in banking online, uh, is there anything that you can kind of recommend to them might put their mind at ease when it comes to um, who they're paying or, or, or what kind of services they're procuring to make, to make sure that they're legitimate? I, so I think the biggest thing is, there's a couple of things here, I think, Adam, um, to know and understand that whilst, of course, we know that there are bad bad actors out there, as we say, there are so many good people who are trying to work and address this issue, who understand it and are coming from places of experience. Um, so they're using that experience of direct scams and frauds and, and experiences of family members to address these issues. Um, so building on experience is a really important point, I think, um, and taking that into the practical space. Um, so, so that would be the first thing. And then the second thing um, I would say to kind of reassure anybody is even in a digital space, um, there's nothing there's nothing that can't wait. You can always pause, you can always stop. Um, and actually that's that's possibly one of the best things to do. So don't don't think that when you're in a digital environment, actually you have to continue your um, you, you need to really progress. Uh, you can equally stop. Um, the experience that fintechs are drawing on, it, they're absolutely addressing real issues. Even when somebody's in a 
kind of caught up in the moment, you could still stop and think. Um, but fintechs are also developing tools and alerts that will help you stop and think. So there's some great fintech um, businesses out there at the moment that will look for you to either put your details in a second time, be really confident that you're paying the right person, or even just put ping an alert to say, actually, there's something amiss here. Um, can you just check? Uh, and that, that type of capability is just really helping to, to bring things to the fore quickly so that something's not kind of going to continue to fester or develop. It just sits, it, it just moves forward. So that can kind of give people a lot more confidence in whatever the, the transaction they're about to make is, yeah, is kind of to the right person. I bet they've had the opportunity to double check themselves as opposed to quickly typing something in. Because presumably, if you send it to the wrong person, it's gone. It's probably quite hard to get back, is it? It can be quite hard to get back, absolutely. Um, I think the banks are working really hard to address that. And they certainly, if they know um, that somebody has been... Um, there, there has been fraud on somebody's account and they're certainly supporting that at the moment um, as long as it hasn't been negligent. Um, but it can be quite tricky to get back. Um, so it is useful just to think about, is this the right thing to do? Um, and we have all of those tools at our um, fingertips, really, to be confident about it. So what do you think consumers or customers should be expect of their bank or their institutions when it comes to kind of fraud prevention? Um, what would the you know, what what what's the kind of the minimum that the banks should be doing to protect their consumers, or or is it kind of more a consumers problem themselves? Um, so I think this is about collaboration, isn't it? Um, and where a consumer has made a, a genuine mistake, um, then the banks are there to support that issue. When somebody has been, um, has just continued to progress and, and not heed the warnings, then that's a more difficult situation. Um, but we're certainly starting to see fintech capability be able to generate those alerts, ask somebody to stop and think, ask somebody to pause, all of those kind of um, measures that will just help somebody be confident that they're doing the right thing. That's helpful. Just thinking about... Um everything you know in the sort of financial world and, and from your background and looking at scams, what would you sort of, you know, to sum it up, what would be the kind of top tips you'd give people um, to try and stay safe? I, I genuinely think that the Take 5 um, initiative at the moment that allows people, encourages people even to stop, to challenge and to protect is, is really, really useful. Um, it's a really quick, easy way. You can stop if you think there's something amiss. Don't be afraid to ask a question. Don't be afraid to challenge. And then, you know, protect yourself by not sharing the information um, that you know would actually allow somebody to access information that you wouldn't want them to. Well, I hope you found that helpful. And many thanks to Nicola for her time. The Take 5 campaign is certainly something I'm going to remember. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of Age Scotland's Conversations podcast. If you want more information and advice about scams, you can call the Age Scotland helpline for free on 0800 12 44 222 or visit us online at agescotland.org.uk.